The text then that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, and especially these words of Jesus. Take care, and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever had a point in your life where you realized you had a relatively large inheritance that might be coming your way. Now today I'm not talking about an inheritance of millions and millions of dollars. But I'm talking about an inheritance just large enough that you know it would have an impact on the way you might live. If you've had that experience, you know that it can begin to mess with your mind. First, you start thinking about what it might be like once you have that money. Would you finally be out of debt? Would you get rid of that old clunker and finally be able to buy a new car at the dealership? Would your retirement all of a sudden look a lot more secure? Soon, before you know it, you can be starting to think about that money more and more. Just how much is it? going to be exactly? Is there anyone that will try to swindle me out of what I have coming to me? What will it feel like when I finally have it? And then before you know it, you can have those thoughts that you're horrified you ever even thought. You know, my sister is so greedy. She's going to make getting that money so hard. I hope she doesn't make a mess out of all of this. What? Mom and Dad are taking another trip? Do people really need to go out to eat all that often at their age? Why can't they just stay home? What if something happened to my parents? I mean, I don't want it to happen, but boy, it'd sure make it a lot easier with the struggles we're going through right now. That might set us free. You know, that man who approached Jesus in the gospel reading surely must have had thoughts similar to these. Oh, we don't know all the details of his life, but we do know this, that when he got the chance to talk to Jesus himself, it was this inheritance that he wanted to talk about. He wanted his, his share of that inheritance, and he wanted it right now. Jesus, of course, had no interest in serving as a judge or an arbitrator for him, for that is not why Jesus had come. But Jesus did use that question that the man had asked in order to do the work that he had come to do, namely to convict people of their sin and to cause them to desire a Savior, even Jesus himself. And so Jesus began by simply telling this man one short phrase that should convict this man of sin. He said to this man and those standing around, take care. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You know, it seems like a fitting correction to this man who had just asked Jesus to help him get more possessions. Possessions he believed were due to him. 
Can you imagine meeting Jesus himself and then your only question was to ask him to help you get more possessions? Well, I can. I suppose if you're really honest, maybe you can as well. For one of the places that we meet Jesus is in our prayers. And I suppose if someone were listening in sometimes on our prayers, it might seem like most of our prayers are about asking Jesus to give us possessions that we think we need to be happy. Yeah, sometimes our prayers can be very revealing of our hearts. Sometimes they are the things that reveal that maybe deep down we do believe that our life consists in the abundance of possessions. Oh, Jesus could have stopped after making that one statement. He had surely said the truth, and he had said enough. But Jesus always wants to make sure that people understand his truth. And so to that man, he also told a parable that would teach the same point. He told a story about a rich man whose land had produced an unimaginably good harvest. You know, when someone receives a harvest like that, there's really only two things that they can do. Either they can use that excess goods as a way to be rich towards God and towards their neighbors, or on the other hand, they can build bigger barns to make sure that their life will be good for years to come in the future. Now, I know probably for most of us, we never really feel like we just have this major harvest in our lives where we just have such an abundance of possessions that we don't know what to do with them. After all, we've been told time and time again that living paycheck to paycheck is just a tragic way to have to live your life. You know, to have everything paid for that you need. We've seen what others have, and we've seen what they are able to do with what they have, and we wouldn't mind having it ourselves. And so we're convinced often that we really never have this abundance that we have to decide what to do with. We often forget that in almost the rest of the world, one is lucky to have a pair of shoes or two sets of clothing. You know, in one way, it seems like we probably in America simply forget that we receive a bumper crop time and time again. We've just gotten so used to the bumper crop that we no longer stop to realize how exciting it is or that we should be generous because we've received it. And as for building barns like that man in the parable did to make sure that our life will remain well and well taken care of for years to come, well, we in America are perfectionists at this task. We do everything and anything in order to make sure that our life, not only now, but in the future, will be secure. And we feel pretty good about it because everyone else is doing it anyways. We have every type of insurance you can imagine to guard against every calamity. We have retirement accounts that grow and grow. Investment companies send us statements month by month to tell us exactly how big our barns have grown. You know, that man in the parable, actually probably had a lot harder than us. Because if he was going to store up more stuff for us, he actually had to go out, tear down that barn, and build a bigger one. 
and everybody would know he was doing it. Not so with us. We can build bigger and bigger barns, and the only people that have to know is our banks and us. No one else even has to see it. Yes, that man in the parable was convinced that he could and should do this because he was convinced that everything he had was his. If you read through that parable again later today, look at how he talks. He says, this is my grain, my barns, my good, even says my soul. It's all his, so why shouldn't he keep it? We too are tempted to think like that. And in real life, much like in the parable, it's only really at death that all of this becomes very evident how foolish it all is. For as they say there, you can't take it with you. For as one person coming out of Finlayson said, I've never seen a hearse with a carry-on on top of it. <laughs> Jesus says it is far better to live our lives being rich towards God than to store up treasure for ourselves. But what exactly does it mean to be rich towards God? Is this a time in the sermon when I should just say amen and pass the offering plates around? Maybe we could have the treasurer go ahead and tally up everything and give you a slip so you know whether you were rich to God or not. Well, no doubt our offerings are one way in which we can be rich towards God. Yes, the percentage of possessions that God gives to us, that we give back to him, are an indicator of our riches towards God. I mean, in the Old Testament, God told the people that if they didn't give a tenth of everything that he had given to them, he considered it as if they had come into his house and robbed him. Well, now the New Covenant doesn't have a specific number like the Old Covenant, but no doubt we are called still to be generous and sacrificial in our support of the church. We're to give back to God in accordance with what he has given to us. But as I said, our offerings are surely not the only indicator of our richness to God. For God makes clear time and time again that the best way to be rich towards him is to be rich towards our neighbor, particularly our neighbor in need. And rather than leave that point abstract, Jesus went to give specifics not in the part of the reading that we read today, but just in a couple paragraphs after, Jesus sort of concludes this section by telling the people that are listening this. He says, so sell your possessions and give alms. In other words, give to the poor. What a better way to get rid of our obsession with possessions than to get rid of some of those possessions and use the proceeds to help others. But it's not so easy always to do that, is it? After all, we rather like our stuff. That's why we got it in the first place. Well, thanks be to God, we leave here today knowing that we have a different kind of inheritance that is being given to us. Thanks be to God that Jesus did not believe that his life consisted in the abundance of possessions. Thanks be to God that Jesus was rich towards God by selling everything he had, even his very life, in order that the proceeds of that might be given to us, the poor and miserable in sin. Yes, there is a bumper crop 
in the kingdom of God each and every year because of what Jesus did on Calvary. And God doesn't just store up that crop for himself. He doesn't put it in a rainy day fund. He pours it out upon you. He pours it out upon you through his Holy Spirit. And he pours it into you through his son's body and blood. Jesus is rich towards God precisely because he is rich towards you, the poor and needy neighbor. Yes, your greed, your selfishness, that belief that life does consist in the abundance of possession, which is so easy to fall into, especially in such a prosperous country as ours, that's all done away with. It's all done away with in the bumper crop of forgiveness, mercy, and grace that grows in the kingdom of God and that is poured out upon you. So you need not to spend your whole life wondering about that other inheritance that may or may not make it your way. For you have a far better inheritance, which is coming your way and which will be coming your way. Jesus' death made certain that this inheritance would be yours both now and forever. He assured you a place within that family that receives that inheritance when you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he pours out that inheritance upon you each time you hear the good news preached, you hear a word of forgiveness, or you receive the body and blood of Jesus. And one day is coming. When you will get to sit there and marvel at the enormity of the inheritance you have received. You will get to do that as you stand there with all the saints of God before the Lamb upon his throne. And so as Paul put it in our epistle, we end today. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, well then you will appear with him in glory. That's what your life is to consist of. Not the abundance of possessions but rather the very abundant life that Jesus died and rose that you might have, this day and always. Amen.